My name is Scott Chaloner and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. As our regular listeners will be very aware, part of our mission here at the Leaders' Council is to bring you a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership and current affairs. And to this end, we're joined on today's programme by Dr. Abide Zenenga, head teacher and founder of Birmingham-based Riverside Education. Riverside is an independent school that provides SEND-specific learning opportunities for some 100 students. And Abide has recently published an autobiography and memoir titled The Gift, detailing how through his Christian faith he coped with the birth of his son who was born with Down syndrome and autism. Um, Abide, welcome to the show. It's fantastic having you on again and uh, looking forward to uh, to the discussion today. Good afternoon, Scott, and uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's an immense pleasure welcoming you onto the programme. Um, now, I suppose I should ask first and foremost, um, when you were kind of dealing with the challenges of bringing up a disabled child, what was it that kind of motivated you to sort of document those experiences and ultimately, you know, publish this memoir about that? Um, you know, you know, when you are uh, blessed with a child, it's... Um you know, you have your own expectations that the child is going to play football, I'm going to do this with him and all that. Mm. And then uh, they come out different. So um, uh, it came out as a shock uh, because it's not something that we were expecting. Uh, uh, at the same time, um, I was so blessed enough to um, have, have been doing my um, master's in special needs. So uh, at least I knew uh, to some extent what I was going to say. But that was a different experience from um, uh, seeing it as a as a professional to experiencing it as a parent. Mm. Uh, so uh, it came as a shock. Uh, it came um, to some extent as a disappointment culturally, as an embarrassment culturally. Uh, I didn't basically we didn't know what to do, both myself and my wife, and uh, we just um, um, came into this country as well. So we had uh, very few friends and relatives. To go to, and um, so sometimes it, you think about a uh, sink or swim. Um, it brought us together. Uh, we came out strong. Uh, we had no other option but to be strong for each other and uh, to find a way out of um, all of what we were experiencing. And um, we we leaned more on our faith. Uh, hence the title of the book, The Gift. Uh, we, after so much prayer, meditation, and thinking and consultation with friends and relatives, we came down to the fact that, um, you know, every child is a gift. Uh, you never know what you get out of them and the experiences that they're going to give you. And we accepted our son as a gift and we decided to move on. And as part of um, my own um my, my own healing and my own reflection, I started writing my my experiences uh, as, as part of our healing, and that's what brought me to the book. Yeah, certainly, and uh, I can imagine as well that, you know, it was quite the experience, wasn't it? Not just obviously having the um, 
the, the kind of impressions of how it is from the professional side, as you've talked about, but also having the experience from the parental perspective as well, because I suppose you don't necessarily know how that truly feels sort of without being in the parent's shoes when you sort of have the professional side. So I suppose that kind of really helped sort of broaden your perspective in a way, didn't it? Absolutely. You know, as professionals, we talk about sympathy, empathy, and, uh, you know, when we say to parents, uh, I'm with you, I know how it feels, uh, I discovered that um, I wasn't, I, I was actually lying to the parents when I said I was empathizing with them. Uh, the way I felt as a parent towards, um, you know, you think more about what is my extended family going to think of me? What is my immediate family going to think of me? What is the public thinking? Even up to now, when I take my son into a restaurant or I'm doing some walks, it's the way people look at you and what you think people are thinking, even if they're thinking positively. I can give an example. I was, um, um, I, I was, uh, I, I was at the airport waiting for my wife um, um, and I was with my son and he, you know, he was distressed. He didn't want to wait and he was kicking off. And I was struggling with him and everybody was looking at me and I thought everybody felt sorry for me. Everybody was thinking, why did he bring him? Why didn't he just leave him at home? Does he not have a carer? Uh, all sorts of things were going through my head until a gentleman came towards me and he said, excuse me, um, I can see what you're going through. Uh, I'm in the same situation and I have so much respect for you for what you're doing. Uh, he, he just assumed I was a father. I could have been a carer. But mm. I did think in the sense that he healed me in a way that I, he, con- he sort of uh, reassured me that some people think positively about my situation. So you're, you're absolutely right. The, it's the experiences and what goes through your head about what people think. Sometimes they are not even thinking that, but you kill yourself with what, with, with what, people, what you think people are thinking. Absolutely right. And was it experiences like that that sort of made you realise that people were thinking positively sort of about you and what you were going through that sort of helped you find hope in those times that were difficult that you do talk about an awful lot in The Gift? Oh, yes, yeah. Um, That's why I decided to share my experiences and uh, sort of um, if there are any other parents uh, going through what I went through, um, I would like to, I I would like them to know that um, you know, there is hope in all of this. And um, uh, possibly in my case, it's a unique case that uh, with my experience uh, with my son, I ended up um, establishing Riverside and uh, I managed to sort of make a positive impact in the community. Like, uh, for example, every year we have over 100 um, families that we support through the experiences I've had with my son. Without my son, I think um, as much as people may say, Yes, I'm educated. I've got a PhD. I don't see it that way. I I think the best qualification I have is the experience I've had with my son. That makes me more relatable to the parents I work with, and possibly that uh, uh, makes Riverside even more successful because um, uh, anyone who walks into Riverside would know that we are doing this to help the parents because I'm one of the parents. Uh, not about anything else. It's uh, it's, it's, it's born out of the experiences that I've had through my son. Without my son, I can safely say I won't be where I am and I w- there won't be a riverside, basically. 
And that's why the title of the memoir, The Gift, is so, so appropriate, isn't it? Because as you say, it's your personal experience with your son that's helped give rise to sort of Riverside education as we know it today. And it is now making a huge difference to over 500 families every year, either directly or indirectly. So The Gift is, of course, your son, but it is also Riverside education, isn't it? Which is kind of your gift to other parents who are sort of living through those same experiences as yourself. Absolutely. I can certainly say um, our son was a gift to us, but he is now indirectly becoming a gift to the community. And as you rightly say, you know, we do have over 100 uh, young people that go through our school every year, and indirectly we affect um, in a positive way over 500 families. And sometimes, as I said, we end up getting, um, uh, you know, enrolling some students for free because. Um, uh, they do not have uh, enough paperwork to qualify, but we can tell that uh, they could do with our support. So you are absolutely right. Um, he he has become a gift to uh, the community of Birmingham, and hopefully he will become a gift to, to the country. Absolutely right. So we certainly hope that he will do that. And uh, for those unfamiliar with Riverside Education that might be tuning into the uh, the podcast today, um, what sort of work is ongoing at the moment um, and what sort of plans do you have on the uh, the horizon? Because I can imagine that there is plenty going on at the moment. Yeah, I rely so much on my faith. And, um, you know, I pray every day and I seek God's counsel every day and uh, possibly be uh, the purpose of the book is mainly to uh, make an impact and continue to make a positive impact in the in the community, in the country. Uh, and Riverside always grows organically. We never plan the growth of Riverside. We started off um, as a school for 40 young people in uh, in a place called uh, Stetchford. Uh, and um, because of the demand of our services, we ended up having a second site in a place called Eddington, and our numbers rose from uh, 40 to 80. And um, one day, my business partner was uh, driving through a country road, and he saw a, a, a farm for sale. And uh, we bought the farm for the young people who enjoy going outdoors. Um, they enjoy working outdoors, and they enjoy uh, working with nature, with animals, and with plants. Um, uh, possibly if I may to take you back a little bit, uh, but, um, uh, just to discuss the growth of Riverside. Every year we sit down with the staff and the young people and we ask them what they want. So when we were in Stetchford, um, as a school for 40 young people, um, the, our students said they wanted a place where they could use their hands, meaning vocational, where they could do construction, bricklaying, carpentry, and all sorts. And um, the following year, we were offered that college in Eddington. We never looked for it. Uh, and that's some of the things I see as a blessing from God, that these kids actually asked for it. And we didn't look for it, but we got it. And we, it was offered to us. And then we discovered again another year that there are young people who want to be out and about, uh, you know, in a, in a, in a bigger space, uh, working outdoors. And then we came across this farm. We were not actually looking for the farm, but we knew our young people could do with it. And we didn't even have the funding. We were not even planning for it. So uh, Riverside is now based on three sites, uh, two schools and a farm. Uh, and the farm now, it now only 
doesn't only serve our students, but the wider community. We have um, a lot of other young people uh, with special needs who go to other schools, but they visit the farm during holidays, during weekends, to experience nature, to work with animals. They come in and uh, feed the chickens, collect the eggs, pack them, and uh, put them in a little shop that we have. Um, and it's all for, for one to qualify. You have to have some kind of a special need to be able to do that. And they all come free. They work with alpacas. They work with the trained goats that are there and the donkeys and the horses that are there. So um, the whole community now is benefiting and it's for free um, for anyone with a special need. And uh, possibly to answer your the last bit of your question, uh, we are thinking, we've been talking to Ofsted and the local authority, and there are plans to have a, a virtual school uh, to cater for those young people. Um, I think uh, coming out of the pandemic, they've not been able to, which is something we've experienced at Riverside, they've not been able to come outside. Um, uh, they stay in their bedrooms and uh, they do not go to school. So we intend to establish a virtual school uh, with the purpose of um, trying to get them out of their bedrooms and come to the farm and eventually join Riverside. But they can start learning from their bedrooms and they can take baby steps, little steps, uh, using nature, using uh, some of the activities we do at Riverside, such mm-hmm. as uh, furniture painting, art, and other activities. Uh, and then try and bring them out of their bedrooms to attend school. So that's our next next project that we are looking at and uh, thinking of and uh, planning. Actually, after this podcast, I am going into a meeting for that. That's absolutely fantastic, isn't it? The fact that, you know, there's that sort of virtual outlet there now that's in the pipeline. It's plans to sort of gradually get people into Riverside education and certainly hope that comes to uh, fruition for you, Abide. And I'm very excited, of course, to see how that um, all goes for you. Um, just sort of bringing the conversation back onto the gift before we uh, we do finish up. Um, for anybody, obviously, that hasn't read it, so like obviously, let's not give too much away. Um, what are some of the kind of key values and lessons, if you will, that people can take from reading this book? And those that do want to go and read it, where would be best to uh, to get hold of a copy? Uh, you know, I'm a big supporter of um, um, you know uh, mental health and mental well-being in schools uh, for both staff and students. But I also look at um, resilience as well. That if we continue to talk more and more about mental health without um, preaching resilience, um, I, I, I think we'll be missing the point. So the the whole book is uh, is more to do with um, you know uh, when you are in the darkest of places, sometimes it helps to look at the uh, at the positive in that dark place. That um, possibly you're in that place for something good to happen. And I, I think in the book I gave um, an example of uh, the popular school girl who was shot in Pakistan, uh, Malala. Uh, I think most people know her. Mm. She, she was shot and I think she was in a difficult situation. Uh, but that, that situation... Uh, enabled her to be flown over to England and she ended up going to one of the best schools and one of the best universities in the world, Oxford, I think she went to. Um, if she wasn't shot, she wouldn't have gone there. So sometimes we go through difficult situations uh, in order for the good to happen. That's what my book is trying to 
established mm. that uh, we had this son who everybody thought is disabled and nothing come of him. Possibly nothing will come of him, but um, uh, the experiences we have out of him will help a lot of people. So the book is basically uh, aimed at um, uh, helping people to overcome their difficulties and possibly, um, as they say here, that, uh, you know, if uh, they give you lemon, make lemonade out of it. That's, what, that's exactly what we are trying to do. Exactly right. It's that mentality, isn't it, that darkness always gives way to light, doesn't it? Obviously, we have the night time, but we also have the daytime after it, don't we? So there is always something to look forward to. And when we get through the dark times, you know, better times are always ahead. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we should always look, um, you know, you know, you know, everything is just bleak in this country currently, you know, the political situation, the economic situation, the situation in Russia. But um, there are a lot of positives happening. Um, like today, when I was coming um, to this meeting, um, somebody fell in front of me uh, on a scooter, and everybody was just driving past. But I decided to stop and call the ambulance and help the person. You know, the little things that we do, even giving way to someone, you know, you just flash them and say you have to wait, opening the door, smiling at people. You know, sometimes you never know what people are going through, but just being positive. You never know uh, how how it can go a long way. Exactly right. And I suppose if this book sort of helps even inspire and motivate one person who's sort of going through the experience that you've gone through or any sort of difficult time, I suppose for you that it's really kind of filled its purpose, hasn't it, even if it just helps anyone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a, I was reading somewhere where it said... Um, you know, sometimes in um uh, in situations um you have a, a glass that um uh, that's half a half glass. Someone can see it as half empty. Uh, another person can see it as half full. Uh, and then a third person can come in and put in some um uh, ice blocks and um, add vodka to it and have a drink. So it's all it's all about what do we do with a situation that's so bad. Um. Do we cry over it? Do we look for positivity? Do we make use of it? Mm. Some people may, may actually, critics may say, you know, it's a pity party looking for attention and all that. But anything that helps other people to overcome their problems, helps other people to, or helps other people to become positive, I, I am up for it. I'm a supporter for that, no matter what critics say. Uh, I can give an example of, um, you know, we are inspired by um, uh, people like Kate Garrett. Caraway, that woman, uh, I think that lady who presents on television, she's going through a difficult time. She mm. talks about it. I do not even know how many people she has helped, including myself. She's so positive and she is making the best out of that situation. We have situations like, uh, you know, if Mandela hadn't stayed um, in prison for 28 years, he wouldn't have been a hero. If he was only in prison for a year, his story wouldn't have been as popular as it is and possibly wouldn't have been learning. Would Mandela have thought about um, suicide in prison after maybe 14 years, after 20 years, after 10 years, after 25 years? But he kept on going. And what happened? The impact he made the world. So those are the people we look up to and uh, think of. Um, uh, you know, even in my book, I, I, I quoted uh, the popular, you know, I think it was Captain Moore in, in his 90s. He didn't sit there and waited to die. 
but he thought about doing something positive with his life. It, mm. it, it, in his late 90s. So possibly you never know the impact that they make. And uh, I am one supporter of such people. And that's exactly what I'm trying to do through Riverside, through the book, through the experiences I've had with my son. Exactly right. And for anyone looking to read The Gift, uh, the book is out now. It was released on uh, July 29th, brought to us by publishers Austin McCauley. And uh, it's available as both an audio and ebook as well, isn't it, um, Abide? Um, WH Smith's eBay, you can get it from um, Amazon, I believe it's also one, isn't it? So very easy to get hold of this book. Absolutely. Yeah, we, you know, we are, we are, we, we are certified as a disability confident uh, uh, institute. So we did try the best but uh, it has to be accessible to people with various impairments, and that's what we try to do, yeah. Absolutely brilliant. So um, it's a fantastic read as well as the uh, the gift by um, our guest today, Dr. Abayat Sedenga. So certainly do um, go and have a read of it um, if you do um, have the time to do so. It's a fantastic read. And uh, to yourself, Abayat, thank you as well for taking the time to come and join us on the show today to talk about the release of the uh, the book and what Riverside is doing at the moment. Uh, plenty, of course, to be getting your teeth stuck into as well in the immediate future. And uh, it would be great, I think, to uh, catch up again uh, just to see how things are all coming together for you you because lots of exciting plans at Riverside it seems and it'd be good to see how that's all coming along in future. Thank you for having me Scott and uh, have a good day. Uh, yourself as well and uh, to everybody tuning in today I do hope that you've all thoroughly enjoyed the interview with Abide Senenga from Riverside Education talking about his memoir The Gift and uh, to those tuning in as well if you feel that you have your own story to come and share with us here at the Leaders Council then by all means you can come and share that with us by applying to join the programme via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply until next time to every single one of you please do take care and goodbye Bye.